News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, The Pete Callender Show. I'm The Pete, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, and the email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And remember, follow me on Twitter. I mean, it's going to be so much more freer now with Musk in charge. Um, I mentioned Brian Stelter. So... Uh, and look, I'm not trying to pick on the CNN host, who, by the way, looks like a potato. But that's not what I'm here to communicate. Um, Brian Stelter is one of the worst actors. And I don't mean like the professional liars at a Hollywood acting. You know, I'm talking about just players or, or combatants in the political arena. Brian Stelter is just the worst. He pretends that he is something he is not. He gaslights the audience and other people in debate and, and the like. He, he pretends things that are not so are, and he pretends things that are so are not. For example, this is a guy, by the way, Brian Stelter, uh, of the potato lineage. He, here's a guy whose focus is supposed to be on Media, that's his gig. He's the media analyst. He hosts the show, right, Reliable Sources, which is a great name, but not for his show. It was a great name for Howard Kurtz's show. I used to watch Reliable Sources, and then and then how he left. And when he left and they brought in a potato, I was like, I'm not watching this guy. Although, to be fair, he, he did not really resemble the true, you know, potato-esque form until within the last few years. Look, the pandemic has not been kind to a lot of people. All right. So Brian Stelter sees this story about some research that was done by some political scientists who paid some Fox News viewers to watch CNN instead for 30 days. This is a couple of weeks ago. They came out with their results And at the end of the 30-day period, the researchers found surprising results, according to Adam Gabatz. Gabat? Gabat? Anyway, he's a writer at The Guardian. He's a journalist. At the end of the 30 days, the researchers found surprising results, he says. Some of the Fox News watchers had changed their minds on a range of key issues, including the U.S. response to coronavirus and Democrats' attitude to police. Okay, Um, I'm not sure we needed a study to prove that the media can guide people to reach certain conclusions. Were you unaware of that? This is why I have said for years, almost probably not the full 20 years when I first started recognizing the patterns, but I have always told people, get your news from multiple sources. Yeah, If you're listening to this show, well, thank you very much, and you're very wise. But also, um, you should definitely try to listen to other people's assessment of the topics that I'm doing. I try to bring in as many of the different perspectives as I can, sometimes, you know, in entertaining and hilarious fashion, uh, and sometimes in a serious way, and then I dissect them. But I try to present to you what these arguments are. But you should always try to get your news from multiple sources. That being said, I recognize that most people are too busy living their lives, and so they don't have the time to do it, which is why they sort of outsourced that operation to journalists. 
But journalists then took advantage of that outsourcing relationship and have been feeding people certain narratives and stories for a very, very long time. And I think one of the best things about the pandemic was that it exposed a lot of these uh, a lot of these outlets and uh, organizations and institutions in our society that have essentially been freeloading off of the reputation earned by generations prior. People had trust in certain institutions, in certain organizations and media outlets, because, you know, their parents read that paper or watched that newscast, and so then they grew up reading that paper or watching that newscast, and so they... They still do, and they trust them. And then at some point, they realized, wait a minute, what you're telling me does not comport with what I see in my real life. You say that this stuff, for example, the critical race theory garbage, that this stuff isn't really happening in the schools, and then your kid comes home or is sitting at home on the laptop, zooming into a social studies class, and you see this stuff in their lesson plans. And so now you know that you've been lied to. So at the end of this period, this 30-day period, they find out that Fox News viewers, after watching only CNN for 30 days, they now have a different take on news events. They have a pro-Democrat view, or let's say a less hostile view towards Democrats than they may have had before. The findings suggest, according to TheGuardian.com, that political perspectives can be changed but also reveals the influence of partisan media, what it has on viewers' ideology. Which I'm sure Adam Gabat at TheGuardian.com, a notoriously lefty publication, I'm sure he doesn't find his work or his publication, or CNN for that matter, to be partisan, right? It's just Fox News. What did Limbaugh always say? Limbaugh always said, I am equal time. This is one of the things, I was talking with Bernie before the show, the producer here, it's one of the things uh, that a lot of people fall into, and this is not partisan, but a lot of people fall into this trap of thinking that history began when they started paying attention. And, oh, it, it's been going on for a long time. It's a really, really long time. Like, it was going on even before we knew what to call it or anybody was there to account for it. <laughs> it was happening. So... The findings suggest that there are political perspectives that people have and that media influence them. This is also why I say I have zero tolerance for people who are particularly in the political press that pretend that they are not participants in the political arena. They are doing battle as well. Now, you can pretend that you're just standing off on the sidelines, not doing anything, but I just saw you kick over that knife to one of those combatants. I saw you do that. I saw you stick your foot out and trip one of the opponents. I mean, not like that, but just their mere presence. When the media goes and covers a story, simply coverage of the story now turns that story into something else, right? They amplify whatever this story is. So story selection is important. Okay, David Brookman and Joshua Kala, political scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, and Yale uh, University, respectively, they paid... 304 regular Fox News viewers, $15 an hour, to instead watch up to seven hours of CNN per week during the month of September 2020. 
the switchers were given regular news quizzes to make sure that they were indeed watching CNN. Then they had a control group of Fox News viewers continue with their regular media diet. CNN watchers were less likely to agree with the following statement, quote, it is an overreaction to go out and protest in response to the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Okay, so the switchers less likely to agree with that statement, that it's an overreaction to go protest. They're less likely to believe that, quote, if Joe Biden is elected president, we'll see many police get shot by Black Lives Matter activists. Fox News watchers did believe that. Oh, and by the way, uh, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, testifying, I think. Uh, oh, no, sorry. He was on 60 Minutes where I saw the video, uh, said that uh, it, last year was the most dangerous year for law enforcement. More cops have uh, been murdered in the line of duty in the last year than at any point, I think, since like 1950 something or other. Yeah. So, yeah, those CNN morons. Yeah, they didn't know what was up. Seriously, like. So you're so think about this though. Cops are now being killed at, to a greater extent than they have been in decades. And it may it may not have been 1955. I don't remember the exact date, but it's been decades. And CNN watchers were less likely to agree with the statement that that uh if Joe Biden wins, that more cops are going to get shot. And that they're happy when cops get shot. But it turns out more cops have been killed. So the people who were Fox News viewers who then switched to CNN, they actually were misled, right? They were misled. I mean, it was predictive, sure, but they were misled. Because the Fox News viewers thought, oh, man, Joe Biden wins. More cops are going to die. And they were right. So who's doing the misleading here? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, so, what are these guys' names again? David Brookman and Joshua Kala, politi- uh, political scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, and Yale University. They paid a bunch of Fox News viewers 15 bucks an hour to watch up to seven hours of CNN every week. And they found out, you might want to sit down for this, people's views and opinions were influenced by CNN and influenced towards the left. Whoever could have predicted such a thing? Fox News and liberal networks can influence their view. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Liberal networks can influence their viewers too? Really? How do they do that? Through agenda setting, according to the authors, covering a certain topic relentlessly and framing stories by emphasizing certain aspects of an issue, like, uh, oh, I don't know, hands up, don't shoot. Kala and Brookman were particularly interested in a third method of influencing called partisan coverage filtering, which they defined in the study as the process where partisan outlets selectively report information, leading viewers to learn a biased set of facts. Like 
mostly peaceful demonstrations, maybe something like that. <clears throat> or um, this has been going on for a very long time, actually, uh, that white people are uh, roaming the streets, hunting down black people and murdering them. Particularly white cops, that this is a pandemic, this is this is happening all over the place. Yeah, when you when you see polling on attitudes about that topic, it is greatly influenced by media coverage. And I understand there were criticisms in the past of the way media would cover relentlessly, you know, crime and show mug shots of the people arrested. And it would convey this idea that black people were committing a lot of crimes because these are the mug shots that are being put on the news. And the news is putting up the mug shots of people who have been arrested for, you know, murders or armed robberies and that sort of thing. And they don't put the mug shots of people up there who were writing bad checks or, you know, lesser offenses, that sort of thing. And though they may have been white people. And so there were a lot of black activists that got upset and would critique the media saying that they were conveying a false picture of who's committing all the crime and to what extent. However, when you go the other direction and any kind of a hate crime or, you know, racialized type of a crime is always a white on black and you never see the black on white crimes, which, by the way, they're more often than the white on black crimes. They are. I'm sorry. That's the data. Most most violent crime, by the way, occurs within the same racial group, black on black, white on white, Hispanic on Hispanic, Asian on Asian, just because these are people that, you know, Family members, right? If you are going to be killed, it is way more likely somebody that knows you is going to kill you. Probably someone related to you. Look, I'm not saying you're living a bad life or anything. I'm just saying you're just more likely to get killed by somebody that knows you and you know them. Most murders happen that way. So then you start looking outside. Okay, well, now you're moving outside of the people that know each other. Uh, Now you're into the random acts of extreme violence. And when you start looking at that data... You start looking at the racial demographics, and it's all usually intra-racial, so it's black on black, white on white, as I said. But after you get past those data sets, now you're into the inter-racial data sets. And that shows that shows the opposite of what the news conveys, because the news coverage usually is, look at this awful white person attacking a black person, right? And it is awful. But those stories get a lot of hype. They do. And this is what the researchers called um, partisan coverage filtering. This is why I will not name the uh, I will not name the news organization. But uh, one day I happened to be uh, sitting at home and it was about a couple months ago and I had the had the newscast on and I'm watching the stories. And every single story, and I do mean every single story, I'm not being hyperbolic, but it was it was a succession of story after story after story filtered through social justice warrior prisms. Every single one, every story had something to do with some group of people that was, you know, doing something special because of their, you know, immutable characteristic. Every story. And I got I'm just thinking, is Is this really necessary? Is this what the people in your audience are clamoring for? Or is this you telling them that this is important stuff? And it's so important, we're going to filter every freaking story through the social justice warrior lens. 
Every single one. Like, there's no story that's just a story about something that's not social justice related. Is that possible? Apparently not. Because I got, like I literally watched this after I caught the first two stories and they both had the same lens. I started watching to see how many stories would they do. And it was literally every story until the commercial block. And then I just abandoned it. Well, because sports and weather were coming up and I did not need to see weather filtered through the social justice lens. So I, so I just, I, yeah, I pulled the plug on that. And I haven't watched it since. Why would I? Because that is partisan coverage filtering. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender Show. Sorry, I'm just messing around with the settings here on my podcast. All right. By the way, get the podcast, WBT.com. And the Pete Callender Show.com. So, the... I keep forgetting this first guy's name. Brookman. B-R-O-C-K-M-A-N. David Brookman from the University of California. And Joshua Kalla from Yale did this big research where they paid a bunch of people from Fox News audience to watch CNN for like an hour a day for 30 days. And they found out that, lo and behold, media does influence people's opinions. <gasps> no. And the viewers of each network, they say, are left with different factual understandings of issues, of conflicts. And then different levels of support for various conflicts or politicians or political parties, right? So CNN's Brian Stelter, who, by the way, looks like a potato. He has these guys on because, oh, my gosh, this is so fantastic. Oh, my gosh, I've got these Fox News viewers and they were paid to watch CNN and now they agree with me. Isn't that fantastic? Doesn't this prove that Fox News is terrible? That's what Brian Stelter thinks this research is all about. And, well, take a listen. Is it possible to make Fox News viewers change their minds about key issues just by having them change the channel? That's what a new study suggests. It's titled The Manifold Effects of Partisan Media on Viewers' Beliefs and Attitudes. The researchers paid some Fox News fans to watch CNN for 30 days, and then they asked them some questions. The results are fascinating. So let's bring in David Brockman and Joshua Kahlo. They conducted the study in September of 2020, and it's just been published this week. Welcome to you both. Let's not, uh, let's not waste any time. David, what did you find? Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Okay, well, first off, you, you already said what they found. You just said it. That was the finding, Potato. That's the fun. Okay. So what we did is we recruited a fairly large group of people who predominantly watched Fox News um, up until September 2020. And in September 2020, we paid them to watch CNN instead at the time at which they usually watch Fox News. And then afterwards, we asked them a variety of questions about what they knew about the world and their attitudes about current events and people like Donald Trump. Uh, That was during the Trump presidency, of course. And uh, I can think the real key finding here from our perspective is essentially that we find that partisan media is sort of hiding information from voters. And I think there's kind of an analogy to Putin's Russia, where right now 
Russians we know are not getting all the information about what's actually happening in Ukraine. And in the same way that we found during the Trump presidency, uh, those watching Fox News weren't getting all the information about what was really happening, for example, with COVID and otherwise in the Trump administration, that then they started seeing on CNN. They said, oh, wow, I had no idea. I didn't know all this because Fox News wasn't telling me. So, Josh, you all call this partisan coverage filtering. Um, And basically, you're proving what we've sensed for a while, which is Fox viewers are in the dark about bad news for the GOP. That's right. Fox and CNN cover different issues. And Fox News predominantly covers issues that that make the GOP look good and and make Democrats look bad. And and on the flip side, CNN engages in this partisan coverage filtering as as well as we find. For example, during this time, the Abraham Accords were signed, and these were the agreements where Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain signed a a major peace agreement. And we see that Fox News covered this really major accomplishment about 15 times more than than CNN did. So we established both networks are are really engaging in this partisan coverage filtering. It's, It's not about one side. It's about the media writ large. I think you're engaging in some both sides isn't there, Josh. Not trying to lay out a, a moral equivalency. It's, it's not about what an objective standard is. It's really about how all networks do engage in this. And in order for viewers to get a, a realistic picture of the world, we, we need viewers to see all types of information. There you go. I agree with him. You need to see as much information as possible. As I outlined many, many times, get your news from multiple sources if you can. And if you can't, because look, I know you're busy. You're running around doing stuff, being productive members of society, unlike me. So that's why I say just listen to me and I'll tell you all there is to know. Um, <laughs> but Tater got kind of ticked off here. And you do not want a ticked off Tater, I will tell you. No, you're kind of engaging in both sides-ism, what he said. No, he's not. But in Tater's mind, sorry, Brian Stelter's mind, and by the way, if you listen to this program, you know that I do not really engage in the name-calling like this, but I make an exception for Brian Stelter. So loathsome and irksome is he. I violate my own standards because it just feels so good. Um, he says, I think you're engaging in um, both sidesism there, Josh. And he says, no, it's not about moral equivalency. You myopic pea brain. Okay, sorry. But see, to Brian Stelter, all this sounds like to him is, oh, you're saying we're just as bad. And the guy didn't say you were just as that the, the researchers may have thought that you're way better than Fox News, did a way better job, but... They still recognize that you ignore certain stories. You didn't want to do stories that made Trump look good. We know this. I know this. I consume media from various locations. So I can tell what stories are. Be- Here, I'll give you a website. You ready? It's called Memorandum. Meme-O-Random. As in memorandum, but with an extra E in there. So it's M-E-M-E-O-Random. Memorandum. And all it is is an aggregator, but it is an aggregator that skews left because the coverage from the outlets that populate the topics is way more voluminous on the left. And so you see all of the their perspectives and storylines that are being driven by the left and by these media organizations. And so you can see on that website, you can see it. 
And again, they, I think they also have some partisan tilt as well at the website. But they will put things up there if it's a, you know, it's coming from the right, but there are a lot of people engaged with the story, then that will also get pushed up as well. But this is why the Twitter story matters so much because the algorithm that they say simply, you know, curates stories and measures interaction and pushes stories to the foreground for you to see, they want us to believe that there isn't any kind of thumb on the scale, that there's no human that's making you see these stories and directing the conversation. And I know that's not true. I know that's not true because I see hashtags from people that are saying, hey, we've got like massive interaction and we're nowhere on Twitter's trending stories page. And as one who, you know, worked here at the WBT newsroom, but has been in other newsrooms in my life and has talked to and knows many reporters in my life, I can tell you these decisions get made by fallible people. Sometimes they are not in it for the right reasons and they make bad calls and they think that their job is to, as I mentioned with that previous newscast, their job is to, you know, push the culture in a certain direction, push society towards justice or what they think is justice. There are people in newsrooms that believe that, absolutely. And there are a bunch of them at CNN. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Right? That is a position. And people in media, journalists, they adopt that position. So don't tell me that there's no thumb on the scale there. But thank you, Potato, for having the, uh, the researchers on your program and thoroughly embarrassing yourself in the process. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Along these lines, David Larson from Carolina Journal had an interesting piece, I thought. Uh, Empty newsrooms and the future of media. So earlier in the month, the UNC Chapel Hill Program for Public Discourse and Duke University's Polis Center for Politics held a, uh, an event. It was called Journalism and Democracy. So you already probably can sense the, <laughs> sense the flavor <laughs> uh, of the event. Anyway, it's part of the Abbey Speaker Series. The uh, panelists were John Hood, who founded the Carolina Journal, as well as McKay Coppins, author and staff writer at The Atlantic, who covers journalism, religion, and Republican politics, and... Nefari Vanaski, a, quote, freelance writer who worked in newspapers for 17 years, writing for North Carolina and Pittsburgh publications such as the Star News and the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. So Vanaski said that the thing that concerned her was the recent banning of books by school boards across the country. She said that in the past, There were journalists covering these meetings so parents could hear about it and challenge the board's decisions. But now, with fewer papers covering local news, they only hear about it after it's done. And John Hood largely agreed. Well, John Hood agreed, I would say, he agreed that you don't have a lot of people covering these meetings. And that is true. You don't have a lot of people, unless there's some big event 
that's occurring, then media will show up and do that one story out of a packed agenda and then be on their way. But I do find it interesting that this freelance journalist, Nafari Vanaski, that her concern was about the banning of the books, which, let's be clear, these are depictions of sexual acts being performed by kids or talking about these acts being performed by kids. And you're putting them on bookshelves in schools where kids can read them. And if I am told, if I don't agree to that, then I am somehow making the school unsafe for children. This safetyism idea is just absurd. But I find it interesting that that is the concern that this journalist has and not a concern about the books being placed in the schools for the kids to read. Note, her concern only comes after the backlash. It's not on the initial forward incursion. Progressives are always the ones advancing on their opponents in the culture war. We realize that, right? And that's, by the way, and I went over this on uh, Friday, I think, about the the fight over Disney. Like, this is the the uh, part of the reason why there is this uh, sort of meltdown over Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature with Disney. And that's not to say I agree with all of, uh, the way that the, uh, the Disney thing went down, the legislation against Disney. But, and I went over that all on Friday, but the, the, the outrage and the meltdown from the left is about something else, right? It is, it is an unfamiliarity with pushback with, with trying to repel offensives themselves. And you start to see some of this now in these school board fights and the over critical race theory and it's inappropriate sexual uh, grooming, right? That's the, the, the word being used, right? All of a sudden you've got the left that's kind of on its heels and they don't know how to respond to this stuff because the left has been the aggressive force in the culture battle my entire life my entire life that has been the case now you can say that's because oh it's conservatives you know they don't want change and look that is one of the things conservatism you know first principles indicate that you uh, are not interested in rushing headlong into making sweeping changes with society because there are reasons why things were adopted that tend to work for the most amount of people I look at, for example, free market capitalism. It has done more to lift people out of grinding poverty on the entire face of this planet over the last 30 to 40 years. It has a record of success that only an academic could deny. Okay, that's not fair. Well, actually, it is fair. It's totally fair. So I'm in favor of those systems that have been developed over time that seem to work the best. Now, that's not to mean that it's perfect. Of course not. It's man-made structure. All man-made structures are going to be imperfect. They're, they're going to be, you know, populated with people. And people can be pretty terrible. And people can take advantage of others. And they can make mistakes and be corrupt and all of that. Absolutely. But as far as systems go, what uh, I forget who said it. It's the, it's the least bad of the systems. It's done a lot of good. Now, bad people have taken advantage of it, but it's done a lot of good. And so I wouldn't want to throw that all away 
with some promise or pipe dream of, of, a, of a utopia where all of a sudden people are going to start acting differently than they have, you know, ever since people have been around. So that being said, John Hood on this panel says the area of greatest concern really is state and local journalism. He said he's heard from locals that uh, that very important council meetings are going unreported on, even when their local officials are not getting multiple bids for big contracts as required by law. But nobody's there to report on it or to hold them accountable. McKay Coppins from The Atlantic said the events that made him most worried about the future of journalism had to do with hedge funds buying up local newspapers and then downsizing them to make money. He argues that once a local newspaper is gutted, research shows many negative effects like a drop in voter participation, the spread of misinformation, even the ballooning of local budgets because there's no watchdog keeping track of where the money is going. I would also offer, because you know me, I'm all about solutions, I would also offer maybe if you engage in sort of less subjective story selection and storytelling, maybe, I don't know, more people subscribe and then you're a better bet for the hedge fund.